All right, let's do it. Making plans with the boys. Right. Okay. I got it. The music's fading out and my voice is fading in. Well, uh, welcome to a three-part series that all revolves around questions from you guys. That's right. The kid put up a little questionnaire on uh, YouTube and Facebook and Instagram. So what we're doing is we're receiving all of your questions, sifting through them, and we're going to answer as many as we can. Now, today is just me. Right now, this episode you're hearing is just my responses. There's a few questions in here that um, Gen X mom didn't really want to participate in. Um, the kid didn't feel like he had anything to offer. So we're going to do three parts, like I mentioned before. One, this one will be just me. I'll, I'll sift through the questions and answer what I can truthfully, honestly, and give you a, give you a classic reply, as, as classic as I can. Because remember, a classic reply just means it's old. That's what classic cars are. If they're 20 years old, they're classic. So my replies, all they have to be to remain classic, to qualify, is be 20 years old. Uh, then we'll do uh, one with the kid, and then we'll do another podcast with Gen X Mom and I. And that should cover everything, won't you think? Yeah. Should put us right where we're supposed to be. So let me um, let me scroll around here. I got your questions up on the screen. Let me see what I got, and we'll we'll race through these and try to get to as many of you as we can. We'll list you by name. You put your names in here. I'm assuming you're okay with that. Um, let's see. Scrolling down here. Um, James Evans. One thing I definitely appreciate about Generation X is the music for that generation. Growing up and listening to what my parents listened to and still do, my question is, do you appreciate Gen X for the music influence? I would say yes, um, but I think most Gen Xers feel that way. I, I Truthfully, I think every generation is, is more partial to their music than they are to their kids. I know my grandparents um, listened to their music, and I got a big influence of Bing Crosby and Sinatra and a lot of the big band era. Um, my parents listened to a lot of things from the 60s and 70s. I, I've been well-versed in that, and I think every generation appreciates their music more than the next. That's the way I feel about it. It too. You know, I kind of, I'm kind of stuck on my favorites. The thing that I don't like is I finally started hearing <laughs> some of, some of, uh, some eighties music that was now in elevators. <laughs> It is not elevator music. Stop. The worst one that happened to me was down in Los Angeles. There's a radio station called K-Earth 101. And K-Earth was oldies. You know, we would play oldies all night long. And so when I was a kid, they'd play 50s and 60s music on into the night. And I thought, wow, K-Earth, that's some cool oldies there. And so now I went down there in that radio station when you tune in on the dial is now 80s music. <laughs> I was very upset by that going, no, my music is not old person music. <laughs> oh my God. Um, let's see. What's another one in here? Hold on. Let me see. I can find something for you. Hold on. Okay, here's one here. Let's see. Um, boom, 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 boom. Joe Lambert, what does Gen X Dad do for a living career-wise? He seems to have a lot of 
technical know-how of mechanics and engineering. I probably, Joe, I probably don't have any engineering skills at all. At least if I do, I don't know that I have them. A lot of mechanical stuff. I did a lot of work on uh, automotive in the automotive industry. So, you know, cars and trucks and gas engines and a little bit on diesels, but that was really uh, specialized there. Some some guys who know diesels, they know them way better than I'm ever going to know them. So if I had diesel issues, I would take it to someone who, you know, who, who was better to handle those than, than we were at our shop. Um as far as the general know-how, I learned a lot working on RVs. I spent a few years working on RVs at dealerships. And so just by the nature of the beast, you learn uh, refrigeration, you learn air conditioning, you learn uh, heaters, you learn a lot of the appliances and stoves, you learn about propane gas and awnings, um, how to install things and rip them apart and put them on a bench and you figure out how they work. There's quite a bit of that. You know, we did even in some of the RVs, we tore apart washers and dryers. And I know they're they're a smaller scale, but they're very similar to how in an apartment or a house. So when, um, when I was... Uh, when I got the chance to work on some of my own projects, my own things, I was very familiar with how, how things came apart and went back together and what I was looking for. That's not really engineering, but I'm telling you, I gained a ton of knowledge um, from, from working on cars and trucks, RVs, and then following my grandfather around from the time I was 13, hand, started you know handing him tools and cleaning tools. That's how you learn the basics. And then you, you ask, what are you doing and what's broken? And then when you see it put back together, and work, that's that's where the light bulbs go off in your head. I think that it transposes over to the school system. Um, you know, they took in the by the eighties, the late eighties, they had they were taking a lot of the shop classes out of high schools. Yeah, we don't need shop classes anymore. We're technology, technology based. But you still had cars, you still needed people to fix them, you still had plumbing, you still had electrical in your house, you still needed uh, people that had the training to work on those things. So they, we, we had a big shortage, a big gap for a long time. Now I hear they're bringing them back. I know in the schools around here, they're starting to bring uh, shop classes back. And here's why. I'll tie this together. When a kid um, experiments in a metal shop class or a wood shop class, or they're learning how to take something apart and fix it, when they see something they've created or they see something work after it was broken, you know, the first time a kid helps you take something apart and you put it back together and it's working, the light bulb goes off in their head like, wow, we just fixed that. It's now functioning. Now, in schools and, and following an old guy around the house, you, you learn that you may have an interest in that. That may, that may work you into being a construction guy or a plumber or an electrician or a, a heating and air conditioning guy. Or you may decide you don't really like that, but you know how to do it now. It's a huge, huge, huge thing, and um, so I don't know that I have a lot of engineering. Uh, I think that's way above my pay grade, but I did learn a lot of the basics um, from from uh, following my grandfather around, and then all of the odd jobs that I had over the beginning of my of of my career, as you as one would say, of working. You know, I just was fortunate enough to to work on things where there were some people teaching me some things as I went along. And by the time I was 24, I kind of had a good grasp on a lot of the fundamentals of things you'd fix around your house. You know, back remember back in the day, um, even RVs had 110 wiring. They had house wiring in them before they converted over. That's how a lot of them were made. Yeah, a long time ago. Good question, though. Good question, Joe. And Jimmy Metal chimes in with, <laughs> as a Dodger fan, how about them Astros? 
What a bunch of proven fucking cheaters. I hate that shit. I hate those guys. They stole. You guys owe us a World Series trophy. As a Dodger fan, I will always hate you. You are not the Astros. You are the Asterix. It will always be by your name that you cheated and you got away with it. Well, you, you didn't get away with it. You got caught, but you, you still kept the prize. I think that's total bullshit. Yeah, there's an interesting question um, from uh, Corey Huntsman. He writes in and he says, Here's one for you, Pops. Do you think civilization has been more advanced than it is right now? And has that been lost to time? You know, they, you, you see that stuff all the time, National Geographic and, and things where they're talking about alien technology and stuff. They definitely have uncovered some stuff like batteries. Uh, they have an actual battery that worked back in, the, in, in Egypt um, back in the day when pyramids were around. They, f- they found some... They found things they don't know what they are. Imagine that, that we, can't re- we find something we can't reverse engineer. Yeah, there's some weird stuff out there. Now, here's what I think on that question. Now, you're asking me about technology because they always, the point of all these shows, right, when they show us this stuff, is they, they want to say this is the technology of back in the day and it's at least more advanced than ours now or equal to. All right, but if the civilization were that advanced, right? Wouldn't we have more batteries from Egypt? Wouldn't we have more of these clocking devices that they find? Wouldn't, wouldn't there be hundreds of them all over? I mean, we find one, you know, you find, you find one artifact and it's true. It's very advanced and I don't know how it got there. I can't explain who, you know, who did it, but I'm thinking that maybe, uh, when they run across these items, I know, I know it's sensational, it's sensationalism in TV to say this technology shouldn't have existed back then 2,000 years ago. Yeah, but maybe that was just one guy. Yeah? Maybe that was just one guy in his garage. He was tinkering. He's really smart. He was really advanced for his time. And um, I just don't, I don't know that the civilization was that advanced because uh, there's not stuff everywhere. You know, they don't. They didn't find fifty of these batteries. They found one, yeah, or or maybe two. It just if you're going to talk about civilizations being more advanced, I don't know. I don't know that I'd go along with that. And uh, all over the world, they're finding weird, tiny little artifacts. But they find one in Peru, and they find one in Egypt. I I don't know. I think those are extremely advanced. They're unexplainable for sure. I get that. But as far as an entire culture being more advanced than ours? Yeah, I don't think so. Now, let's let's say this. I think that some of the, the mechanical achievements that they've done with waterways and sewers and some of the stuff that they came up with when they had no computers to render schematics for them, they had they had no uh, draw. They didn't even have really have the drawing boards that we even had in the in the twenties and thirties. They had nothing to go with but you know just the bare minimum, and they still were able to design and invent these amazing things. So in some of those ways, I think they were more inventive and more creative than us as a culture because it's all over the world. You can see these kind of remarkable things like the pyramids being built. And, and you see some stuff that it, just, it would be tough for us to do today on a grand scale like they did. So maybe they're more inventive. Maybe that's a better way to put it. 
And there's one from Dustin Sutton. He writes in and says, during the shorts or TikToks, there's usually music playing in the background. What's your favorite artist? Now, I've talked about this a little bit before. I, um, I seem to notice a trend in my generation. Back in the day, when you're in junior high and high school, man, we were loyal to bands. You were either loyal to Rush or you were loyal to Van Halen. You know, you were loyal to Judas Priest. I mean, you had, you just, you had, you wore buttons and jackets and t-shirts and you were loyal to your band, certainly to your genre. And I've noticed as Generation X gets older and perhaps more mellow, um, we listen to everything. You know, I've got a friend of mine who is a hardcore Judas Priest guy, and that guy will sit down right now on a lawn chair in an evening uh, with his wife and listen to Air Supply. <laughs> yes, he will. Hall and Oates, he will. I find myself not being, you know, super loyal to any one band anymore. I have I have days when I'll listen to Queen. I'll have days when I listen to uh, Genesis, and then I'll have days in a row. I kind of get hooked on stuff like that and just let it play it out. I go, I kind of dive into it again, and I'm finding that a lot of my friends did the same thing. So I don't know that I can answer that, Dustin. I, I'm gonna have to punt on that question. I hope I answered it the best I could for you, though. All right, what's another one here? Um, scrolling through the questions. Quiet Solutions by Chris Doan. He writes, how do you believe D.B. Cooper got away with it? And do you believe it could be done today? You know, uh, for those of you who don't know who D.B. Cooper is, you need to go look it up. Um, he stole a bunch of cash and then jumped out of an airplane, an, an airliner, a real like a 737 airliner, uh, going, I think it was from L.A. To, to Portland, and jumped out right in the middle of Oregon. He just bailed, or was it Washington? Anyway, just right over the forest, he just, you know, he got up, uh, went to the back of the airplane, went, I guess he went down into the hold and told, you know, forced the, the pilots to open it up and took a parachute and jumped out. They never found him. They never caught him. And he had a tremendous amount of money. Now, oh, believe me, the FBI was looking for that guy. D.B. Cooper is almost one of my heroes because, you know, if he would have, they looked so extensively for that guy. Um, if he'd have, if he'd have been hung up his parachute in a tree, they'd have found him. You know, uh, but they they have found money. They have found some. They knew the they knew the numbers on the bills, and they have found some up in the forest one time. Somebody stumbled across a package of cash, just part of it. And then um, people said they they spotted some of the cash. I think it was down in South America. They picked up some of the money there. Um, I don't. And that could have other people explain that like, well, someone else found the cash. He died, and they spent it somewhere else. All right, maybe. But there's so many little pieces of evidence the point that he did pull it off and what a guy i mean to be able to do something like that the the balls on that guy you know it's big enough to come in a dump truck i'm telling you um could it be done today no uh if you jump out of an airplane right now with you know a million dollars in cash and uh, you're floating in a parachute down there, and the FBI goes looking for you, they're going to find you. You know, there's too much technology, infrared sensors, where they can thermally track you at night. If they really wanted to find you, they could. I, th I, think, they, I, don't, I think you'd have a lot harder time getting away with that. Now, maybe if you jumped out over the ocean and you landed near a boat and took off in a boat, yeah, maybe. <laughs> but I just don't think in the continental United States that, uh, that you could pull that off. Man, what a, what a great story, though. Anytime something comes up on him, I stop and I watch. I have to. Good question, though. That was from Chris Doan. Good question there, buddy. Thank you. 
And looking here, let's see, Trippy Pineapple now. There's a familiar name. The guy's been around a lot of our live streams. Uh, good contributor to the program. Trippy Pineapple, are we in a simulation? Wow. Let's go right back to the Matrix. Are we in a simulation? Um, I hope not. <laughs> You know, I hope that uh, I hope that I'm not a character in someone's video game because who would design a character that was uh, was 400 pounds and yet this this handsome? Who would do that? What a cruel thing to do to someone for a character! Um, you know, there's there's some funny things. I, I watched a program one time, and I'm going to try to explain this to you in in computer terms. And believe me, I'm not a computer nerd. I'm giving this to you nuts and bolts, so it'll it'll seem very simple to you. But let's say you're playing a video game in a big city, and you look around, and the, the, just the detail of those video games is amazing. It looks like you're right there in downtown L.A. or downtown New York, doesn't it? Now, what do you think is a cross town? In that video game, do you think the buildings look just as beautiful if you're not over there? If you're playing the video game in the south part of New York, and what do you think? How how beautiful are the buildings in the north part of New York while your character is in the south part? Well, they're not even rendered; they're nothing but stick figures or just an outline of frame. The computer doesn't fill in the graphics until you get there. If you take your you take your character and drive over to the north side, or you walk over to the north side. As you get close, it begins to fill in until the the buildings on the north side are beautiful and the buildings on the south side are not. There's no, why waste the programming on it? All right. So with that being said, what kind of a computer system is is running where our entire planet is always rendered at all times? You know, I mean, we're, that's, I don't know, man, that'd be something geometrically amazing <laughs> as far as processing goes, um, to think that everything is being, every, every feeling, every cool breeze, every emotion you've got, everything is a simulation. Um, I don't know. I, I can't think that it's that. I, I would have to go with the basics, uh, go back to my upbringing more that it's all real and it's based in, in on the Bible. And I don't remember the Bible ever talking about <laughs> the matrix or processors or, 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 or computer rendering. Don't confuse me. Now, with that being said, if you've seen The Matrix, which most of you have, and for those of you under 35, you can pause right now and go watch the movie, and then you can come back and spend some time with the adults. Um, in, the, in The Matrix, there's, there's two worlds. You're either living in the real world, which is a dark, terrible, you know, thunderstorms and, and, and just uncomfortable mess, or you're living in The Matrix where everything is beautiful and perfect and normal. Well... There was a, just one line. There was one scene in there where the guy says, I know he's, he's sitting in a restaurant eating a steak. He goes, I know this steak isn't real. I know I'm living in the matrix. I know it's a simulation and I don't care. This steak is delicious. I don't care. I don't want to live in the real world that's miserable. I want to live in, he wanted to live in the matrix. He wanted to live where everything was wonderful. And you know, I thought about that for a long time. If our planet Earth was just in shambles, in shambles, just storms and darkness and starving for food and we can't figure anything. If there was a choice between that and living a fake life, where but every, every emotion was real, every feeling was real, you could, get, you could get slapped and it would hurt. You could get kissed and you will feel warm and tingly inside. Every sensation was real to you in the matrix. Which would you live in? Now, 
I know there's there's a whole generation that's God damn it, I want my freedom, I want what's real, and I'm going to live free, I'm not living in the matrix, I'll live miserable if I have to, but it's my life. That's true. But then there's a lot of people that say, you know what, fuck it. <laughs> I'm not driving a stick shift around town anymore. You put me in a big old comfortable Cadillac with air conditioning, and I'm on Highway 15 floating my ass to Vegas at 95 miles an hour, and they don't care. And you got to think about that. That's, again, that's a personal choice. But, boy, what, a, what an easy, wonderful, comfortable way to live if, uh, if you could live, if it was a simulation but you didn't know and everything you felt was real. And you don't have to live that miserable life. I don't know. Am I tipping my hand here? <laughs> Maybe just a little bit. All right, Pineapple, good question. Thanks, my man. I appreciate you. Terry M's got a question. says, what would you do for a Klondike bar? You know? Terry, not much. I don't, I don't like Klondike bars, but I've done some pretty shady shit for a chili dog. I got to be honest with you. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'm killing myself with that stuff. Uh, Sandy Hogg, in your honest opinion, will there ever be a United States of America again? Uh, Sandy, there is a United States of America, and it, it, it is improving all the time. We have setbacks and we have challenges. But we are a great country. We are capable of great change, and we are moving forward. If you've noticed, Sandy, we got rid of um, slavery. We got rid of segregation. We got uh, women where they can vote. You know, we're always moving forward and improving. It's tough, and there'll always be problems and always be issues. But the thing is to never quit fighting. Never quit, um, you know, pushing forward. Never quit with your commitment to making America a better place. And it's a slow process. And there's some things that are never going to change. We're just always going to be a work in progress. But I do believe that we are the United States of America, and we are slowly evolving into uh, a better way of life every chance we get. And like I said, there's setbacks. There are things that that you get different people in government and you get different uh, movements that hit the ground and they, they, they slow you down. They even set you back. I think we've gone through some crazy, stupid setbacks in the last, you know, five or six years. Some of the stuff that we're going through is ridiculous, but we'll work through it. We'll turn the corner. We'll right the ship and we'll start moving again. They're just setbacks. It's not, you don't look at it as you're falling off a cliff. You look at it as, ah, you just got to have a course correction. Yeah, it's painful, but we're a great country, and we'll do it. We will shed away the people that are slowing us down. We will shed away the stupidness and the lack of common sense. We will get those things back. They're still there. Just got to get rid of all the stupid bullshit and put things back on track one piece at a time. It'll happen. We're moving that way now, but it's just, it's tough. It really is tough. Look, you wait for the next round of elections and you wait for some next commitments. And let's see over the next two to three years. Let's see how you feel then. Check back with me then. If I'm still here, I think you'll be pleased with the results. I think there's some good stuff happening. I really do. Okay, so let's see. There is Zeppelin fan. Zeppelin fan has an unusual question. Imagine if Hitler and Stalin were aborted. How much less suffering uh, would there be in the world? Uh, and would that have been a good thing? Well, you know, not just aborted, but died. Let's say they died as a child or died as a young adult. Um, that, that question has been posed for years. And I've listened to people a lot smarter than me reason reason that question 
And I'll tell you the answer that I'm most comfortable accepting. Now, let's just take Hitler, all right? Let's just say um, that, that Hitler died when he got hit by a car when he was nine. He, he died. And, oh, great, then there's no World War II, and oh, there's not a massacre of Jews. And, you know, I mean, there's just so many things you associate with World War II that are better now. Where would we be? Now, there's some really bizarre schools of thought on where that would have led. And, of course, you know, the most obvious one is the world would be a better place. Okay. And, and I told you I'm going to give you the, the answer that super smart people have reasoned for years. I'm going to give you the answer that I'm the most comfortable accepting, all right? <laughs> is, that a, is that a vague way to, to sidestep your answer where there's, I don't have to take any responsibility for the, what, I'm, what I'm about to say? Um, there is a strong theory that it would have happened anyway. There is, and th there's some, there's some time travel movies out there that show that they, they try to give an example of no matter what you do, you can't really stop. Um, you can't stop history from the course it has already taken. And there's some good examples of that. Um, and they, the, 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 how they apply it to Hitler is simply, there would have been somebody else. And then there would have been somebody else. And then there would have been somebody else. You can, you can accidentally or on purpose eliminate every bad person who was going to fulfill that role. But in the end, that role ends up being fulfilled. History does take that course. They, they argue that small corrections and incidences can, you know, can take place in, in time travel um, with, with, in history. But in the end, the big results always end up the same. Mount Vesuvius always explodes. World War II always happens. You know, they, they argue that, that you can't stop the big events, you know, that shape the course of history. I like that answer. Um, not that I like the way things went in World War II. Not that I approve and condone those things, of course. But I like that thought that um, once something is set in motion, once it's written in stone, it kind of stays there no matter what you do about it. And um, that's uh, that, that like in the movie, The Time Machine, you know, the, the newer version, not the old one from the 60s, but the new one where he tries to save his fiance. And every time he goes back in time and tries to save her, nothing he does, then she dies a new way and a different way and something else until he finally realizes that is a, a correction in his life. He's never going to be able to make. He has to accept it. I know I know I'm making that on a minor scale in that movie, but. Um, that, that's the theory. I, I'm comfortable with that theory. All right. Did that answer your question? <laughs> I hope so. All right. Let's see what's next. All right. Uh, scrolling through here. Let's see. Do, 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 do. Pablo, uh, Pablo John Martinez. Have you ever visited South Africa or South America? Uh, no, I have not. I would love to, but I have not. Dravy 85. That's a common name around these parts. Uh, been a long time fan of the program. Is Bigfoot real? Man, I, I made a joke about that. <laughs> I made a joke. I was drinking. You guys know I was drinking on the live stream one time, and I made a joke about that. And I just said, uh, if Bigfoot was real, how come there's no Bigfoot bodies anywhere ever? You know, one never fell off a cliff and died. One never had a heart attack and died. We never find his body. 
And um, then, uh, I don't know, I got off on the top. It was real quick. It was only like a minute long. And then I said something like, well, maybe he's like Star Trek and the Borg. You know, when the Borg uh, die, they go after, they, they, they take their dead with them. Maybe, you know, the Borg just goes over. They don't leave any of their Borg, dead Borg behind. It was a sci-fi thing. I said, maybe that's it. Maybe uh, the Bigfoot, they go collect their dead. You know, if, if, um, if, if Harry's dead and he hadn't come back from, from, hunting or something to bring food to the family. We got to go out and find his body and bring him back. I don't know. And then people blew me up like, well, what about bears? You don't see dead bears. And I'm like, well, I don't know. Do you? I'm not, I've never seen a dead bear, but I'm, I know the bears exist and I'm sure they die. I'm like, well, you've never seen a dead bear. So, you know, maybe the Bigfoot's like a dead bear. I don't know. <laughs> I, I will admit this, Dravy. I am not an expert on Bigfoot. I, if I had to go with my gut, I would say they don't exist. Um, that's just my personal feeling. I mean, what do I know? I'm just a dumb mechanic in the middle of the desert. But um, I will tell you, I do have a Bigfoot story, a personal one. It's not like you think. It's not exciting. But I remember being, um, my dad had built a, a kind of a bunk bed. It wasn't, there was no bottom bed. It was just an elevated bed where we could put stuff under it like a desk. And it was right near a window. So I, my head was up high near this window. And it was the bed was really high up in the room. So it's probably like seven feet tall. And um, I remember one night, I just asked my mom, I said, of Bigfoot, the Loch Ness Monster, and I think I said the Abominable Snowman, which one's closest to our house? Well, you know, the answer from my mom was obvious. It was Bigfoot. We lived in Southern California. Loch Ness is really far away. And the Bonneville Snowman's up in the Himalayas or the Alps. So obviously the answer was, was Bigfoot, you know, Oregon and Washington. And I couldn't go to sleep for months because I kept thinking that Bigfoot was going to come to my window and be staring eye level with me <laughs> through this tall window. I'm on this tall bed. He was clearly going to be there. He was clearly going to find his way to me. Now, I don't know how Bigfoot was going to find his way all the way down from Oregon uh, through the San Joaquin Valley and then past Valencia and make his way to the suburbs of the San Fernando Valley and walk by thousands of houses just to stare in my window but I was convinced and I was scared for months. So, <laughs> but even with that being said, I think I grew out of it and I would say he probably doesn't exist. He never did show up at my window, so I, I have no physical proof. <laughs> All right, Dravy, I hope that covers that one for you. Let me see what else we got here. And Slime Cookies. Boy, I hate that name. <laughs> That's terrible. Slime Cookies says your favorite horror movie. I, I don't have one. I don't even like horror movies. That's not my thing. Oh, I know. When uh, every, the rage was out in the 80s, it was Freddy Krueger. I got it. I was terrified as a young child. I saw a movie called The Tree Monster, and it freaked me out. Um, I What was the other one? There was another one. The Creature from the Black Lagoon was one. Um, there was one, um, The Tree Monster, and then there was one more about being caught in quicksand. And I was little, and I remember watching those on TV. And they scared me to death. So anything, as I grew up, anything that was that was more horror type related or super scary, I didn't, uh, not into it. Pass, not not interested. So yeah, there's your short answer. Square Wheel asks, who's your favorite child? Well, Square Wheel, um, I developed a way to answer that question with my kids because every one of my kids would come up to me at some point and they'd whisper, "Dad, Dad." No one's around. Come on, you can tell me. Who's your favorite child? Just tell me right now. Dad, who's your favorite? And 
I had the same answer every time. I said, all right, I'll tell you. You are my second favorite child. Now, it didn't matter which child asked me the question. I always answered, you're my second favorite child. And if they let it alone and went away happy being the second favorite, fine. Most of them didn't. Most of them wanted, demanded an answer. They demanded to know who was first. And I always had the same answer. If they pushed me far enough, I always had the same prepared answer. You ready? I would look at them and say, all the other kids are tied for first. And you're second. <laughs> I know I did. That's just like when, when your kids are in there, you got a bunch of kids are doing chores and they're in the house. And one of them says, how come so-and-so gets away with that? And I don't get away with that. How come they can stay up and watch TV and I can't? Same answer every time. I like them better than you. It didn't matter which kid was asking the question. Well, how come, how come so-and-so gets to do this and I don't? Cause I like them better than you. Next kid. Well, I don't get to stay out that late. Yeah. I like them better than you. It didn't matter. And they used to get so frustrated. I had one daughter who used to absolutely stomp her feet at me, and she'd scream, Dad! She hated that answer because <laughs> that was the answer I'd give. I like that child better than you, so they get to do the stuff you can't. Now let's accept it and move on. And it happened to every child, every question, so it was fair and across the board. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I don't know if that answers your question. that give you any help? Parenting 101. Uh, listen to everything I say and then do the opposite. All right, moving on. Paul Booth, he writes in and says, what is your favorite Hanna-Barbera cartoon? I didn't say cartoon character. You know, Hanna-Barbera, back in the day, their headquarters was in the same same town I grew up in, um, not too far away. It was a beautiful building. When you went by it, you knew that you were in front of Hanna-Barbera Studios. Janik's mom and I both remember it very well. And they moved around a little bit, but they were always close by until they until they weren't. Now they've been swallowed up and gone. But um, Hanna-Barbera, I mean, can you guys even remember all the stuff? There was Flintstones and Jetsons. Um, uh, Yogi, Yogi Bear was one of them too. I don't know. They probably had about 50, 50 different characters. Um, Scooby-Doo was a Hanna-Barbera production. There's a ton. I, I don't even know that I could even name them all. There's probably so many. But I'm going to say that I grew up watching uh, the, the Jetsons, the Flintstones, and probably Scooby-Doo more than anything. Yeah. Hey, you guys ever heard my Scooby-Doo impression? Not of Scooby, but someone from it was Shaggy. That's the only, <laughs> yes, that's true. I can impersonate Shaggy. You ready? You want to hear it? Zoink, Scoob. No, that was it. <laughs> that's all there is. I didn't have anything else. I'm sorry. That was all I had. <laughs> that's the only word I can do. I can't speak any other. That was it. So what you get is what you get. Come on. I'm going to go with those are my favorites. Um, CW Gaming, he writes, is the earth flat? No, the earth isn't flat. The earth is not flat. And uh, I recently found out someone on Gen X Talks staff is a flat earther. And just, I let it go. I don't care. I don't care about arguing with flat earth or round earth. It doesn't matter. I still get to get up and go to work in the morning, and so do you. So, I mean, you can, you can argue about it, and you can talk about it, and you can fight about it. But at the end of the day, whoever you're arguing with, you better just have a beer and move on. Who gives a shit? You know, you, they, I, I know everybody gets divided. If your politics are different than mine, I hate you and you hate me. If you're a flat earther and I'm a round earther, a sphere guy, then we hate each other automatically. That bothers me. I can't. You know, back in the day, we, we used to just be Americans. It didn't matter. 
Who cared? I mean, we could have different political views. We could like different baseball teams, and we were still friends. Oh, they've changed that now, though. No, 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 no. Now, now it's life or death. Now everything is so serious. I'm fighting for my beliefs because I'm fighting for what's right. Who gives a shit? If the, is the earth is flat or it's round. Now, I will tell you this. I used to get my ass kicked by flat earth people all the time. Oh, my God. It beat the shit out of me. And I, I would fall into a trap that I didn't even know I was falling into until someone explained it to me and said, hey, don't do that anymore. And here's the trap. As soon as you start talking with a flat earther, the first thing the flat earther says, well, prove to me the earth is round. And here we go. Well, there's the you can see the mast of a ship coming up over the horizon. We have been in space. We've, you know, SpaceX, we've flown around in circles and we've seen the earth and we have satellites and we have pictures and we have and you and all the other planets and moons around to you go through all this stuff and they have all their prepared answers until you're exhausted. How come it never occurs to me to just look at them and go, "Why don't you prove to me the earth is flat?" Yeah. <laughs> so when someone finally told me that, it says, don't go down, don't, they're all, they all do the same thing. Every one of them goes, well, prove it's round. No, 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 I'm not getting caught in that trap anymore. Two hours later, we haven't gotten anywhere and I'm exhausted. I simply say, convince me it's flat. I know it's round. You convince me it's flat and we'll talk. Well, that puts the burden on them. And that is a whole different discussion. Boy, I'll tell you. You want to talk about some weak, scrambling arguments. That's all I've heard. Maybe there's more out there. But I'm going to tell you, you turn the tables on them. Don't get caught in the trap of explaining yourself. They're the ones who are turning the tables on the world here. Make them explain it. Yeah. How's that grab you? <laughs> all right. Moving on. All right. Uh, David Guzman, Rambo, First Blood, or Commando? Oh, first blood by a mile. Anybody who goes for commando over first blood, it, there, you needs to adjust their medication. It's there's just no question there at all. Another one, uh, Gumby Coin wrote in. It says, "Can I borrow some gas money?" No. <laughs> oh, these questions are fun. I'm so glad the kid did this. You guys are get. I'm gonna keep reading. What else we got? Okay, what's another one here? Victor Victor Egov. Egoville, Egoville. I'm going to mess that up. I'm sorry, Victor. What do you think about discipline and why it why it's not enforced in schools? Um, yeah, when I was when I went to school, they did spankings. You you messed up. You got swatted. You know they used ping pong paddles where I went to school. Um, well, as with anything, you know you can have an abusive situation, and that's a tough one. That is because if you say, well, you know what a I would say maybe let's go back to when I was growing up, 90% of spankings and discipline, whether it was from school or um, uh, church or your home, your parents, I was probably deserved, you know, and you got your ass kicked. You learned not to do that shit again. Whatever it was you were doing, you learned not to do it. Well, some parents abuse their kids. That's true. Some schools abuse their kids. Some churches abuse their kids. So you say, well, it's a real, it's, uh, discipline is a great thing. It is guidance. It is structure. It builds, it builds a familiar order to things for children that they can function in. That is one of the, one of the parts of it is discipline. Yeah. Um, but when you take it too far, you have to protect the children at all costs. Well, 
well, you never find out about it till it's over. And then you're not really protecting them. You're kind of going in after the fact. So the rules began to change. Um, Generation X, when we became parents, the rules were changing that you couldn't hit your kids, don't touch your kids, no more punishments in school like that. And parents became very defensive of their children. Now, you, we are supposed to do that. We don't want children to ever be um, abused. We don't ever want them to be misused at all in any fashion. And in order to try to guarantee that, we take away every form of punishment ever. And remember that? And then remember that the, in the 90s and then the 2000s, the big push was always hug, put your kids in a timeout, no more discipline. Let's talk about these things. You know, he's seven. He fucking lit a cat on fire. It's putting him in a timeout. It's just giving him time to think about how he's going to do it to the next cat. So, and we've learned that doesn't work. It learned it created a whole generation of of morons and idiots that believe they're self-entitled. That didn't work, did it? Now, we warned you it wasn't going to work, and there, here we are. So, going back, what's the question? Can you? What do you think about that? What do you think about discipline? I think done correctly, it's very, it's very necessary. It's very needed, but you know you have to be careful because there's assholes out there as parents and teachers and churchgoers and staff and coaches that that act inappropriately, that take it too far, just a bunch of fuck ups, and you have to rip away from every person the ability to harm a child, even though you're taking away discipline, which which is sorely needed. It's a tough one. I don't have an answer for it. If you're asking me, how do I feel about it? I wish that people would behave themselves. I wish there was no fuck-ups in the world. That's what I believe. That's what I wish. Now, if you're asking me how to, what is our course correction here? What do we put in place so that the, the good and responsible adults can handle discipline correctly and weed out the dumb shits? I don't have an answer for that. I wish I did. You know, and we could set a, we could set a lot of things straight, but that's a tough one. It's a big topic, too big for a quick reply in here, but it's a good question. Do do appreciate your question, Victor. Good job. All right, we'll do uh, we'll do one more question here. Remember, this is just part one. Part two will be with the kid, and then part three will be with Gen X mom. We'll do three parts because there's some really good questions in here. But we'll we'll end on this one right here. Uh, Brian Ivany, who I've come to know and love. Cool cat, man. I've seen him a bunch of times now. Big supporter of the program. Always lurking about having some input. Uh, says, Brian Ivan, he says, do you believe in separation of church and state? Or should the church be involved in state affairs? For example, like in the medieval times. No. I don't, I don't want... Um, I don't think the church should be involved in state affairs, in government affairs, other than perhaps some guidance. That's it. That's all. Just some advice. I admire, um, I admire government officials who call upon their faith to receive some guidance or help um, leverage them emotionally and mentally before they make a decision. I think that's wise counsel. That's good stuff. Um, but I don't think that the church should weigh in uh, on voting and on drafting legislation themselves. The church should stay out of it. I think it's funny um, how when, when I look around now at these days, and this is a very Gen X thing, I'm sure. And if it's not, eh, maybe it's just me and my stupid head. But I look around now, and not only are we supposed to be accepting of every religion, which we are, but we've actually, the pendulum has gone so far the other way that you're, you're, as a country, we're supposed to be accepting of every religion and every race, every creed, every color, accepting everybody equally. But we don't. 
we don't. Now, there's always pockets of, of, of racism. There's pockets of problems where there's a small group who don't like black people. There's a small group who don't like Jews. There's a small people who don't like Catholics. You know, you, you, there's, there's that. But there's not, there's not a systemic problem towards anybody anywhere in our country. They, they, that's, a, that's the biggest lie they tell you to keep everybody divided. There's not. It's not like that. I can walk down my street and there's 50 different religions and nobody is ganging up on any one uh, race or, or religion at all. It's not happening. Okay. What I find funny is that in the middle of everybody screaming, you have to accept every religion, and they chant, and they protest, and they scream, and they holler, they demand to be heard, unless you're a Christian. If you're a Christian, you're an asshole. We don't have to accept your ass. No, no, we're accepting everybody else, but not really you. If a Muslim goes to pray in school and you say something, you know, you're going you're gonna to get punched in the face and you're going to get drugged out of that school. Don't you dare say something about a Muslim praying. If a Christian goes to pray, well, that Christian's an idiot and he shouldn't be praying in school and he's out of here. See how that goes? Hey, you see it all the time. It's the same with, uh, with race. All of a sudden, if you're a white person, you're an asshole. If you're a white person, you're a problem. If you're a white Christian, you're a double problem. <laughs> I'm just telling you, for all those people out there screaming equality and screaming and begging for all of us to be equal and get along, you assholes sure have a funny way of showing it. You know that? You just got to just let everyone be who they are. You got to just do that. You can't get hung up on someone else's, you know, the, the, if they have some transgressions against their own religion, that's their problem. Not your job to jump in and, and, and push them down a road. But you guys do. You guys just got to leave it alone. It's coming. I'm telling you, it's, it's, there, was a, there was a question in here I kind of skipped over for later, but it has to do with where we're going as a country. I didn't, there was another one in there. I didn't, didn't go deep into it. And you can't just, you, you can't just behave that way. You can't just, you can't single out white people and tell them they're the worst things ever on the planet. You can't single out Christians. You got to get along. If you're going to preach, we're all getting along, then we're all getting along. And that goes for any religion being involved in government. No, no religion should run a government. You can't because as soon as, as if there was Hindus in here and Hinduism all of a sudden ran the American government, there'd be a bunch of people going, dude, we don't, we don't believe those things. You, you can't make laws. We don't believe those things. If Catholics run it, they're going to make laws that are, that are related to Catholicism. And there's going to be a bunch of people saying, hey, man, we don't, you know, come on. You make laws for human beings. You make laws in America for Americans. Doesn't matter what religion you are, what color you are. The law better be written straight down the middle of the road like it's supposed to be. That's it. So, do I answer your question? Do I think that um, religions should be involved directly or, or partake or have input? No. Other than, other than outside counsel, that men and women politicians can go to their own religion and, and, and seek some counsel, some guidance, then come back and help make the laws. Oh, I know. They're always going to influence a little bit, but that's not what we're talking about. Your question was, you know, do you want you do I think that religion should have a seat at the table? No. No, I don't. Not even my religion. Nope, nope, no, nope, 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 nope. 
All right, so listen, here's what we're going to do. Um, I'm coming up on my time. I tried to race through and answer as many questions as possible. Uh, I hope they were to your satisfaction. The music's coming up. I got to go. This was part one of three. There's going to be another one with the kid, another one with Gen X Mom. We'll probably sit in and do them together. I won't make them just sit there on the microphone by themselves. But I got to go. I'm out. And uh, so we'll look forward to the next podcast. They drop every Thursday. Check out the website for everything new and upcoming and the personal events that we're going to be doing live and in, around town. So you can check those out there, genxtalks.com. And from everybody here in the compound, we'll catch you guys on the flip side. <laughs>